Okay, Husker fans, welcome to episode four of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. On this week's episode, we'll discuss breakout candidates for the 2022 season, potential impact freshmen, and we'll answer your mail day questions. Hey, Husker fans, welcome back to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast. I'm Chris Peterson of HuskerBigRed.com, and joining me as always is my co-host, Danny Gillette of TheGreatCornholio.org. Danny, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. It's always fun to talk football, and we're getting closer to opening kickoff in Dublin, so I'm very excited. Yeah, 17 days away. It's hard to believe, but yeah, 17 days, and we'll be watching the the Huskers and the Wildcats. Hopefully a big win for Nebraska. It's always a good game when those two programs get together. It's always close, so I think it's going to be a fun game. Pat Fitzgerald always has Northwestern really kind of ready to go and ready to play so i'm excited yeah you know people some people say they like the close games as a fan myself i love the blowouts i really enjoyed the 56 to 7 win last year over northwestern um i love having no I, I don't get comfortable you know with a lead until it's about 35 points with like five minutes left you know that's just who i'm kind of a nervous wreck but yeah, yeah I, I would much rather want to see a 49 point win than like a close game Unfortunately, we haven't had many of those, never mind just wins in general. So uh, hopefully this season that'll change, and I would love to see a blowout win and a game that I can actually enjoy and not either want to throw something at my TV or, like we've discussed before, have a nice hangover the yeah, day have after. have a stiff drink afterwards to forget. <laughs> <laughs> or a few, or a few maybe. <laughs> yeah, in my case, yeah. a few, but... Depends, on, depends how bad it goes. <laughs> Hopefully not too many of those this season. I'm confident, but we'll see. Happy hangovers this season, right? Happy hangovers. Absolutely. Happy hangovers. And speaking of hangovers and hangover foods, you've said you've never had breakfast pizza, but it sounds amazing. I can't believe you've never had breakfast pizza. Breakfast pizza is absolutely delicious. Yeah, I never have breakfast pizza, and we got that from Tin Cup, who was asking us about the Casey breakfast pizza, you know, sold in the stadiums. And I've never had breakfast pizza um, and I don't know about other people, but when I go to games, like I don't really eat, you know, I drink, I'll drink a little bit before the game, but like when the game times, when it's time to watch, like I don't eat food really, unless I'm diabetic. So unless I need to for my diabetes, like I just, I, I drink a little bit during the game, caffeine, even when I'm sitting at home, like I don't have chips or snacks. I just like, I'm too nervous to snack. So I don't really quite understand that, how people can like eat and enjoy the game. That's just you know, if it's another team, but if it's Nebraska, like I'm just too nervous where, you know, I, I can't get anything down. But I do need to try some breakfast pizza, though. Breakfast pizza is delicious. And I and I hear you, though, on the sugar and drinking, though, just because some of these games, some of the night games I have trouble staying awake for, especially as it gets uh, darker, at least where I am in the fall, you know, some of these late nights and writing i do have the occasional caffeine and you know i gotta eat i'm a big eater i love food so you know i definitely eat during the games too but you're right about the nervousness part sometimes i i just can't do it yeah i'll do you know if i do eat i don't really enjoy it that much unless it's like the 56 to 7 and i can relax a little bit and you know just kind of soak it in instead of worrying stressing about kind of every play but that's what makes you know being a fan great that worry that stress it you know can turn into joy too you know and at least when uh, things are going well 
And that's what nachos are good for, because they're not really something you have to commit to. You can just, you know, especially if you're making them at home, you can kind of eat them at your leisure, and they're not too heavy, and they taste good. I love me some loaded nachos. Those are really good. So. And I can't wait for some. Well, and nachos. to be fair, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but if you have, you know, a really nice kind of like crock pot, some type of good food, some comfort food, it can make mm. you feel, but, you know, if you're down big halftime or something, you know, that you can kind of drown your sorrows in the food. So sometimes, you know, when you don't want to focus on the game as much, then the food can kind of be a savior for you. Some pulled pork sandwiches or a beef stew, I think, are two good things in the crock pot for me. Yeah, I've never turned down a good pulled pork sandwich. That's delicious. You know what else I like? Fan questions. I love those (laughs) as well. And I can sit here and talk about food all day. Yeah, yeah. so we should get to some fan questions. (laughs) We do have some fan questions, and this first one comes from Skurs by 90. Let's hope we see some of that this season. Maybe not 90, but 40 would be nice. Uh, Skurs by 90 says... Skurs D had 20 total sacks last year. Top teams had 45-plus. What are your predictions on number of sacks this year, considering the new talent on defensive line? The 9 defense had 44 sacks, most of them the Damakung Su, that led to a lot of turnovers. I feel that we have enough talent for 30-plus. At least, Chris, I'll start with you. Yeah, I definitely, you know, sacks were an issue last year. I think Nebraska was 98th in sacks. They had like 20-some sacks. That was a major problem. And I think the lack of sack production, you know, was a direct reason why Nebraska only averaged, I think, 1.1 takeaways per game on defense last year. So if you look at scoring-wise, they were 36 in the country, which was pretty solid, but they didn't make the impact plays that kind of stop drives, you know, sacks, turnovers, those types of things, which we used to see a lot out of Bo Pelini um, defenses. But with O'Shawn Mathis, Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, I, I even like, um, you know, Jamari Butler, Blaine Gunnerson. I mean, those guys are all big on the edge. The only one of those guys that's not at least 6'5 in terms of height is uh, Caleb Tanner, um, who I think is another talented edge guy. So I, I've said this before, I think, on uh, one of our bold predictions, but one of my bold predictions was that Nelson, Tanner, and um, Mathis, those three guys combined were going to get 20 sacks. Um, I think probably almost closer to 25. Um, I I think Nelson and Mathis both have a good chance to get at least eight. It's it's hard to get sack numbers, you know, anymore with spread offenses because teams do throw the ball a lot. So I think pressure's... Getting pressure on the quarterback is almost as as important as a sack as long as it's consistent. But you do have to make those plays. So I, I do think Nebraska's got to get up in the 30s. I think 30, um, somewhere in the 30 to 35 range is more realistic. I don't quite see them getting 40, but I definitely think with all the talent um, that they have, especially at edge, and you know, I think Ty Robinson is going to have a, a much better year inside. Um, I definitely think 30 is a realistic number. What's your thoughts? That's a number that I was going to shoot for as well. And just to follow up, Nebraska ranked 87th in the country last season with 13 sacks. They definitely need to improve in that area. Um, I'd say 30 is extremely realistic. I don't know if we're going to have as dominant a defense as the 09 defense. That one was extremely special. But I do think there is potential. I mean, you touched on some of the guys. Garrett Nelson, he just flies to the football. He flies to the football. He has a nose for the football. He's like a torpedo as soon as the ball is snapped. And then you have 
Mathis coming off the edge. You have Tanner, I would say 30, and that would be a massive improvement from 13 last season. You know, the pass rush has been an issue for Nebraska the last couple of seasons, and I truly believe that this is the year that, you know, they kind of rectify the lack of a pass rush. Because if you get a good pass rush, it makes the rest of the defense's job easier too. The secondary, you know, it helps take pressure off the secondary and, you know, it gives corners a chance to make plays. So I would say 30. I would say 30 is my number. Um, and I think 30 is kind of where you're shooting for as well. Yeah, like I said, I think it's very realistic. And, uh, you know, sacks are important, but the sacks have to come with pressure. You know, there's some teams that their sack numbers are kind of inflated. So, I mean, it's not always just about sacks, but you have to get consistent pressure on the quarterback. To me, the most important two things about winning are getting good quarterback play and then having your defense being able to impact the quarterback. And Nebraska hasn't done either of those things very well under Scott Frost. No, and I, I truly believe that this is the year that it will change. Sure, we've heard that saying before, but, I mean, I there's reason for me to believe that that will change. So we'll see. I think 30 would be a huge improvement, and I think, um, you know, Nebraska has the talent to do it. As always, yet another thing we've heard before, Nebraska has the talent to do it. Execution is a whole other problem. But I digress as we go to this next Fan question. Let's see what we got here. We have Chris Lansford, and he says, let's see. Let's talk about the new DB addition, Brandon Moore, and is there and is he there for culture building or to really help with depth? Now, Chris, I'll throw it to you, and then I wrote a piece on him uh, yesterday, so I can touch on a little bit more there. Yeah, I think Brandon Moore is an interesting addition, you know, kind of a, you know, last minute surprise, which you don't always see before fall camp. But, you know, you look at his career, he started games in 2017 and 2018 at UCF. I think he had like three interceptions. He was a pretty productive player, um, knows the scheme with Travis Fisher. Um, I think it is a depth option. You know, you look at safety. Um, there's a few guys that are kind of competing there. Marquez Buford, um, Miles Farmer, you know, Omar Brown, um, Deshaun Singleton, Noah Pola Gates. There's a lot of guys there, but not a lot of proven production at the position. So I think more, you know, can provide some depth there. And um, as I said on HuskerBigRed.com, you know, it's going to be nice, you know, come November, you know, if you have a couple of injuries at the safety position to have a guy that started, you know, and played, you know, college football before, knows the system. Um, beyond that, I think he could help on special teams too. So, you know, I think this is much as much about, you know, just adding quality depth and adding a good football player, you know, as it would be about the culture. And he had 43 tackles and 11 pass deflections in 2018. So it's not like he can't produce. It's just a question of that injury kind of, can he bounce back from that? He had a knee injury that sidelined him for the majority of his 2019 and all of his 2020 season. And then he went to Florida state, but left, in 2021 so i'm just curious to see if he can get his legs back under him right as he goes to another program um he definitely has playmaking ability i do think he is here as far as a depth option because we do have a lot of options at secondary but you know reuniting him with travis fisher a coach that is known to get the most out of his defensive backs could do him good and i'm curious to see where he fits into the puzzle 
yeah, I think overall, you know, it's just a solid move. And, you know, when he did go to Florida State last year, it was kind of said he didn't end up playing for personal reasons. Not sure, you know, what happened there. But while he was there on um, the defensive backs coach, you know, actually had said some pretty um, positive things about him. That's something I saw in 24-7 sports. So he was making a positive impact at Florida State before, you know, he decided to, I think he said family reasons. So could be anything, but it sounds like he's probably healthy. It's going to take him a bit to get, you know, kind of his sea legs back when you haven't played college football for a while. But, you know, by you know, October, November, I mean, he might be ready and he could be a guy, you know, just because you never know how what, what happens with injuries. I mean, you could have a run of, you know, three or four safeties getting hurt. So you can never have enough depth. It, I don't know. It's interesting to know whether he's like on scholarship or a walk on. You know, it's not like Nebraska is telling us all that information, but um, I'm intrigued by it. What uh, another big name kind of coming, Devin Drew finally on campus. So w- what do you think about I know this isn't a user question, but what do you think about Devin Drew and, and his impact here early for the Huskers, Danny? I think he's a guy that can stop the run. Um, I don't think he's going to get major sack numbers, but I think he's a guy that can fill the middle. And, in you know, the Big Ten has a bunch of talented running backs, so I think that's going to be needed. You know, we've had our problems stopping the run in the past, so I think it's um, just going to be about providing experience and stopping the running game and you know I truly think that he can be an interesting you know piece to the defensive puzzle and to get back to the second part of tin cups question who Danny do you think will emerge from a loaded running back room in this year's Nebraska team I think in terms of you know new players I think Anthony Grant uh, has a chance to emerge you know he was a big get he played for Florida State for a little bit. You know, this is a guy, you know, we saw in the spring game, he really has the ability to burst through the holes quickly and find that open field. Uh, he's fast. He's physical. And then I guess if you're talking about current players on the roster, Ramir Johnson, I mean, you saw what he did during that Michigan game, and that kind of gave us a glimpse, or not a glimpse, because we already knew what he could bring to the table. But that just kind of reaffirmed, you know, the skills that he has. He's got good hands. He's got speed. He's got great vision. So I think, honestly, not to go on too much of a tangent or whatever here, but I think the running back room has a lot of players and a lot of good depth that hopefully we'll see on the field. Because, you know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, the past couple of years, we haven't really had enough depth to where, We'd feel comfortable throwing them out on the field and, you know, that kind of playmaking. Yeah, it's been, that it's we been have interesting. Right the running back room, we talk about the quarterbacks not being that successful under Scott Frost, but there hasn't really, outside of Divine Azigbo, his first year, I believe that's the only thousand yard rusher. And there hasn't really been, you know, much development there. They tried using Wandale Robinson there, it didn't really work out. So, you know, they've got a hit on Anthony Grant. And I think that they will. He looks like he's ready to take over that job as the starter. But I do agree that Ramir Johnson is going to have a role this year. And I think we're going to see him, I hope, get about 15 touches every game. You know, about 10 rushing attempts, about five receptions. I think he needs to see the ball that much. I do believe he's one of Nebraska's, you know, better impact players on offense. But Grant's the guy I can see carrying the ball about 15 or 20 times per game. And I'm also really high on Gabe Irvin. I thought he looked good in the scrimmage the other day. Another kid out of Buford, Georgia, which is a big-time high school program that produces a lot of big-time players. Um, 
Yant, I think, has looked well. And then also I keep hearing uh, things about A.J. Allen, and I saw him break off some explosive runs in the scrimmage. So don't forget about A.J. Allen. That's the um, we'll, we'll get to that here in a second as we you know talk about some freshman impact players. But I totally agree that uh, the guy that's going to emerge as getting the most carries this season is going to be Anthony Grant. And people can say as far as the lack of you know production at the running back position, oh, it's the play calling, and oh, it's the offensive line. And yes, I agree to a point, but I also think there was really no development in the uh, running back room. I think similar to the offensive line, they got to a point where they were what they were, and you didn't really see a ton of growth or progress. I think Brian Applewhite brings a new attitude and a fresh face into that running back room as the coach and I'm excited to see what he's going to do with this unit because there are some ballers yeah I do think it's going to be hard for position. anybody to say get to a thousand yards because I think the carry you know I don't know if anybody's going to get 200 carries but if anybody does I think it'll be Anthony Grant and uh, you know I think between Grant and Johnson I think they're they're going to get about 1500 total yards and I would say between the two of them I wouldn't be surprised if they had they each had a thousand you know yards from scrimmage this year yeah and if all the running back room does this year is extend drives by getting those extra three or four yards, then I'm good with that. I mean, we talked a little bit in last week's episode about how, you know, it was quick three and outs sometimes last year. And by the time, you know, the fourth quarter came around, the defense was gassed. So even if the running backs are there just to provide some balance and, you know, supplementary production, then I'm yep, okay with that as complimentary well. Sure. football, as they always say. Um, so now that we've taken some mailbag questions, another topic we wanted to discuss today, you know, with the season 17 days away is breakout candidates, you know, for this upcoming season. So Danny and I have each kind of, you know, thought about this. So we have one breakout candidate that we're looking at on both sides of the ball. So let's just start with offense, Danny, who is your breakout candidate for the Husker offense here in 2022? I'm going to kind of go off the board here a little bit and say, Travis Vokalik. I mean, he appears to be, you know, the starting tight end. There was actually a screenshot and from, I think it was, I want to say Bill Bush, but on the piece of paper, because I zoomed in because I'm a crazy football fan, it said tight end Vokalik at the top spot. And, you know, I think he could really, he's not going to, you know, win the John Mackey award, I don't think, but he's going to provide some production. I mean, he caught 11 passes for 127 yards last season nothing major but you know he's coming um in in as one of the veterans on this team he's a senior and so I'm excited to see what they can get out of the tight end position because they were finally starting to use it more last year we saw the great year that Austin Allen had last year and so I'm excited to see that hopefully continue and for Travis yeah, to have uh, a big I year. I got a big smile when you said that because that was my breakout candidate too for offense, Travis Vokalek. So I really do. I agree 100%. I think he's going to actually have not maybe quite as big a year as Austin Allen, but I think he's going to push about 500 yards receiving. I think he's going to catch between 30 and 40 passes. I just think that there's a lot more weapons on the outside. I think that's going to open up the middle of the field for him and for – Casey Thompson, who's actually an accurate passer, you know, that's a dig on Adrian Martinez. I think he's going to be able to take advantage of Travis Vokalek, who I believe is probably going to get a lot of kind of single coverage inside. And I think you can say the same about 
right here, Johnson on, um, you know, with linebackers and stuff. And, you know, Nebraska's got to take advantage of those matchups. So um, I 100% agree. I think Vokalek's going to have a big season. And I think he's going to do enough to get himself drafted, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of saw Austin Allen have the, um, you know, a breakout season last year. And off the top of my head, I don't remember if he got drafted. I don't think so. I think he signed an undrafted yeah, free agent so, deal. Yeah. Am I remembering that correctly? And so, I mean, getting to the pros is getting to the pros, whether you're drafted, undrafted, free agent, you know. So I think this is a year where a lot of, you know, upperclassmen stock can really, you know, rise for the better and not fall as we've seen in other years. So I'm excited to see what Vokalik can do. And then, Chris, I'll throw it over to you as far as a defensive breakout candidate because I have – two and i'm trying to decide between yeah, one I, but it's difficult for me. there are a few different uh kind of breakout candidates this year but um on defense i'm gonna go you know as for a breakout candidate you know that's somebody to me maybe a little less expected and we talked about you know the pass rush kind of earlier but i'm gonna go inside with ty robinson i think he hasn't quite met expectations for you know where he was recruited you know clemson and some other big programs i think alabama was interested in him you know when he committed um you really need that interior pass rush you know when we were talking about our mailbag questions in the 2019 one reason they had so many sacks is because sue was able to push the pocket i mean even if he wasn't getting a sack he was bulldozing those guys back into the quarterback and so he had nowhere to go so when you you have somebody who can collapse the middle of the pocket it makes it so much easier for your edge rushers to get home. And I think that's going to be a big focus for Ty Robinson, who seems to be on a mission this year to prove that, you know, he can live up to his recruiting ranking. I, I think he was disappointed in how he played last year. And I think we're going to see a different Ty Robinson on the field for the Huskers in 2022. I had totally forgotten he was recruited by Clemson, but you're right. And I remember that being, you know, oh, wow, we stole a recruit from Clemson and so far he hasn't lived up to it but you know he did show flashes last year and then um, I think for me it's not that these two struggled last year I'm gonna have two but it's more so I see them taking on you know a huge role defensively Garrett Nelson and Luke Reimer and you know you could even throw you know what, I'm even going to throw Nick Heinrich in there. I think, like, that group, you know, you talk about passing the chores. You know, so many Nebraska defensive players went to the NFL. You had JoJo, I'm thinking off the top of my head, JoJo was a huge one. And when you have, you know, guys like Reimer, who had 90 tackles last season, it's not so much that he needs to break out. But I'm looking at this in terms of, breaking out as you know a leader as that rock of that defense and sure he played like it last season but now it's about passing the torch and you know not only leading with his play but also leading you know a defense that is undergoing changes and you know he was electric last year and I'm excited to see what Reimer and Nelson who had you know, I, I think it was 57 total tackles in 2021. What those guys can do because they're the next wave that's going to help stabilize that defense. And, you know, now it's time for them to really step up and, you know, make a name for themselves. And boy, are they fun to watch because they all play that same aggressive, you know, feline. Yeah, and I love Reimer's style. Uh, 
you know, kind of extends the walk-on tradition at Nebraska. That's always been a huge thing. And to see him, you know, emerge as a former walk-on has been awesome. I feel great about the linebacking group, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's, those guys in the front seven, I think, really need to step up this year. And I, I think this could be the best kind of front seven group that Scott Frost has had. So, you know, we'll see. We, we're saying that about a lot of positions, though. So hopefully, yeah. you know, that comes to fruition this season. That's you know, potential doesn't mean anything. It's about what you do on the field. So hopefully the Huskers will find a way to produce this year. But, you know, talking about potential, you know, freshmen are always, you know, kind of that topic. You you see the freshman sign and you're wondering when they're going to get on the field. I don't know that there's going to be a ton of freshman impacts this year, but we're also going to look at, you know, who potentially out of this freshman class can make an impact on the team this year. So I'll throw it over to you, Danny. We'll kind of do it the same way with the breakout players. Who is a freshman that you're watching on offense that can make an impact? Now, can I include transfers in this? I know they're not freshmen, but can I include the sure, new guys? We'll do I it. do have a new guy defensively. Tommy Hill. Uh, Tommy Hill, you know, he's gotten good reviews. Um, he's a hard physical player, I believe. You know, Scott Frost called him NFL ready at one point. So if he just stays the course, you know, I think he's going to be tremendously fun to watch. Nebraska recruited him um, back in the day. He ended up going to Arizona State. And, you know, now he's back in Lincoln. You know, he's a physical player, hard hitter, good vision. And I think he can really kind of, you know, break out and be that, you know, stabilizing figure in the secondary. Because even with losing seasons, Nebraska has had, you know, players in the secondary, you know, go to the next level. Lamar Jackson is one I'm thinking off the top of my head right now. And so I'm excited to see what Hill can do. And I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, in terms of of defensive freshmen, you know, there's not a ton of guys. But one guy I think that could have an impact this year is Jaden Gold, the freshman cornerback. And not... I do think that Newsom and, and Tommy Hill are going to start. I think that those are the top two guys, clearly. But you need more than two cornerbacks to make it through the season. And at times, I wish that Nebraska would play a cornerback in the nickel spot instead of line. I don't necessarily think that's the best thing to have your linebacker be a nickel all the time. I mean, look around college. How many other teams do that anymore? Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, if a, if a defensive back emerged, you know, especially against three, four, five wide receiver sets. Um, to see some more DBs out there. And I think Jaden Gould, you know, he's a top 150 recruit, uh, was committed to USC. I think he's a guy that, you know, if anybody on the defensive side of the ball from this freshman class can make an impact in year one, I think it's him. Ernest Hausman, too. I mean, I think, you know, I think it's worthy mentioning his name. He's been getting um, good praise over the course of camp. Um, And so I'm excited to see what he can do as well. I remember... Um, it was big when Nebraska landed him because he was an in-state kid. And so I'm excited to see what he can do as well. There are a lot of players. I'm just looking at the list again. There are a lot of names. Yeah, that I'm he's excited a great, for. yeah, from, the, from sure. Columbus, Nebraska. I do think he's going to play this year, especially on uh, special teams. But, you know, I just feel like the, mm. you know, Reimer and Henrik inside are so solid that, you know, that's maybe going to limit him a, a little bit. But yeah, he's, he's definitely on my watch list too. What about the offensive side of the ball? Who's a freshman that you're keeping an eye on? offensively there's so many names and i'll give you three and then i'll narrow it down to one janair and bonner the wide receiver aj allen and then uh anthony grant and i think oh and and the coldest crawford too but hmm to narrow that to one 
I don't want to say Grant again because I already said Grant. But you know what? I'm going to say Grant. I think he can make that splash that we've been looking for in the running back room. And, you know, I think he has the type of playmaking potential to really assert himself in what is a crowded room. And I know you mentioned A.J. Allen earlier. Nebraska has a bright future at the running back position because of those two guys. And I know we're only asking for one, but, boy, there's a lot of playmakers yeah, I like both of the, the freshman receivers that you mentioned. I think they both have a bright future. I like Kamonte Grimes too, you know, another, um, you know, athlete receiver. I think he was a three-star, but he's kind of underrated. I think he's going to be an exciting player to watch too. I just think that there's so much depth at wide receiver that it's going to be hard for those guys to make much happen this year. So um, the guy I'm focused on is A.J. Allen. I really think that we're going to see him touch the football week zero against Northwestern. That's one of my predictions. I think we're going to see him catch some passes. I think we're going to see him run the football. It sounds like that Mark Whipple, you know, really believes in this kid. And, uh, you know, Nebraska flipped him from TCU, four-star running back from Texas. Um, You know, the competition down there is really good. So I don't think it's going to be a huge adjustment for him. And uh, he's a guy, you know, I don't think he's going to be a starter or anything this year, but I definitely see him having some production for the Huskers at running back. And it's interesting when you look at some of the candidates at some positions that are already full, you know, maybe not make an impact this year, but down the road, guys like running back Emma Johnson, quarterback Richard Torres, who Mark Whipple was high on, tight end Chase Androff. You know, these are guys that we shouldn't forget about. And I know it's easy because we have a lot of transfers, but, you know, guys like Johnson and Torres and Androff, I think they could be pieces down the road. I'm curious to see where Androff fits, especially, you know, as the tight end position continues to get bogged down by injuries. I'm not saying he's going to start or even play this year, but, you know, down the road where's a guy like chase andrew yeah, you talk about injury you know it's been one, a crushing thing for me personally is thomas fedone you know i was so excited about his commitment i mean i thought he was going to be mm-hmm. a dynamic instant you know playmaker instant impact playmaker and you know he probably would be if he hadn't gotten hurt and he's hurt again or he got hurt again this fall um you know i think he's coming back from that i don't know if anybody really knows if he's going to play this season hopefully but i mean this was a guy who was a top 100 kid i mean just about everybody wanted him i can't believe nebraska got him and it just it hasn't worked out so i mean sometimes you almost feel like a little bit that scott frost has just been a little snake bitten you know i mean just the top recruits aren't working out guys are getting hurt you know it's just there's a lot of different things but hopefully Fidone can get healthy because i do think he's one of the more talented players that you know frost has signed in you know in these past five years and you know i'll call him the big three at the position at the time Thomas Fedone, A.J. Rollins, James Carney. I mean, Carney, I know, is coming back from injury in the spring. Rollins, I think, is developing, but I don't think he's still there yet. So there is a lot of potential and a lot of big names from the high school circuit. We just have to see what they're made of, and we have to hope that they're healthy because tight end, you know, guys that are six foot six. 230 pounds are not supposed to be running people over full speed. The body just isn't made for that. So it's already a tough position for injuries and things like that. And I just hope a guy like Fedoni sees the field. But, you know, I think it's important to, from Nebraska's perspective, 
develop a guy like Androff who may be waiting in the wings because he could be needed, unfortunately, yeah, sooner for sure. rather you than know, later. This, this team has a lot of talent. And, you know, speaking of that, we were talking about, you know, just some of the Nebraska guys that, you know, we we're seeing standing out, you know, in kind of NFL training camps and mini camps. And, you know, hopefully this team will develop and have some guys drafted, you know, in this coming year. But one guy from the 2021 team that was drafted is uh, Samori Ture. And, you know, he's been kind of tearing it up for the Packers. They have like a family night type thing where it's like an exhibition, but he caught a 56 yard touchdown from Jordan Love the other day and it looks like he's got a very good chance of making the 53 man roster um you know Cam Jurgens has stood out you know with the Eagles Jojo Demon um Cam Taylor Britt with the Bengals you know they said that he's been one of their best rookies according to reports but who who are some of those NFL you know Husker alums that you're kind of keeping an eye on right now Danny Torre because he fits the modern game very well he's a good route runner he can get down the field and you know he is catching the attention of the uh green bay coaching staff aaron Rodgers gave him praise so i'm excited to see what he does and you know same thing with a guy like jojo um you know he is a quick linebacker he can cover you know a running back if need be cover a slot receiver so those two players in particular, fit the modern game very well. And, you know, we kind of knew that when they were at Nebraska, and it's great to see them, you know, progress throughout the NFL and, you know, turn heads because I'd love to see these two be mainstays in the NFL for a long time. And then on my end, shout out to Cam Jurgens. I completely bashed him when he decided to go pro. I thought it was a terrible decision. And, you know, he had a great combine. And now he's, you know, making noise in Philadelphia Eagles camp. So good for him. A, a former tight end turned to a center. And yeah, and it's interesting, too, because you look won. at like early picks at center in the first or second round. They almost, those guys are almost never busts. That's, that's like the most reliable guy position you can draft in the NFL as a center. So I think the Eagles are going to be very happy. I don't know that Jurgens is going to play center, you know, this season because they got Travis Kelsey in Philadelphia, but long term, you know, he's going to be I think he's going to be starting for the Eagles for 10 years. I be, I truly believe that. Um and Ture, you know, it's funny because I am a Packers fan and with Ture, I don't know if people remember, but you know, when the, they drafted him and he started standing out in camp, the first name that comes to my mind is Donald Driver. And I know that that's like a huge comparison, like a Packers Hall of Famer, but Donald Driver was a seventh round pick out of Alcorn State. And Samori Ture, while he, he came from Nebraska, he played at Montana two years earlier and he was a great player there. And I believe, you know, had he played like two or three years at Nebraska, I think he would have been drafted much higher. Um, you know, they, they didn't play on a great team. He didn't have a great quarterback, but he still had five 100 yard games last year. And the Packers lost like their top three receivers from a year ago. So there's plenty of opportunities. And the great thing about the NFL is that it is a true meritocracy. They, it's not about where you were recruited or where you were drafted or how much you're paid. You know, those guys, it's about winning and uh, he's going to get on the field. And I think it's, I, I'm not going to be shocked if, you know, he catches a touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers this year. And honestly, if Green Bay can continue to develop Christian Watson and Samori Torre, they have a nice little one-two combo, I think, for the future. So I know, you know, they should have drafted more weapons for Aaron Rodgers and all that. But, 
you know, they're they're set up well for the future. And, uh, at the for, you know, position. and then you look at Cam Taylor. But I think he's a guy. You know, the Bengals obviously were in the Super Bowl last year. Um, there's talk about how he could push. You know, Eli Apple for some playing time. So he's a guy that could come in and for a, I mean, a fifth round pick to me, he was like a third round talent. I thought that he was so good last year on that defense. Um, just such a reliable piece. And so, yeah, it d- doesn't surprise me at all that he's pushing to be like their nickel corner and, uh, you know, probably going to start someday. I just, I think the Bengals really got a steal with Cam Taylor Britt. Eli Apple is just so difficult to watch. I sure hope Cam Taylor Britt <laughs> does something because Eli Apple's a bum. And so, uh, you know, I, as you can tell, I really don't like Eli Apple, but in all seriousness, you know, Cam Taylor Britt's another hybrid defensive player who has tremendous athleticism, you know, can jump really high, has a good, you know, leap, can tackle, plays hard. I mean, he fits. I I will say this, for all the winning that Scott Frost hasn't done and this and that, the players that have gone to the NFL under Frost are very talented skill set wise for the NFL. They fit the game very well. And so Taylor Britt's another one of those players. And, you know, I'm excited to see what he does because I hope, you know, it looks like he is the Husker with the best chance to get a Super Bowl ring. So maybe he can bring home some hardware and make himself and plus, a staple you know, we already on had that a defense. little bit of a tie to the Bengals, Nebraska fans, our former quarterback, you know, Zach Taylor, who, you know, led us to the, uh, I think it was the 2008 Big 12 championship game. I'm trying to think back, but he, uh, it was, or it might have been 2006. It was in the Bill Callahan era, which makes it even more impressive um, for Zach Taylor. But um, another reason there to, to follow the Bengals and to, you know, keep tabs on the Huskers. Um, so we'll kind of look at, you know, wrapping, wrapping things up here before, you know, we, uh, we do that and say goodbye. I wanted to just give each of us a chance to kind of touch, you know, on our websites here. Um, again, I'm Chris Peterson and you can find all my written content at huskerbigred.com. And we've just launched within the last couple of weeks. So got articles every day doing podcasts here with Danny. Um, also check out the Husker Big Red YouTube channel. Um, that Danny and I are both kind of working on. Um, make sure you subscribe. we got lots of great videos, a new video up on Malachi Coleman, um, you know, and why he's so important for the Huskers, why he's the number one ranked player in the state of Nebraska. So check out our great content at Husker Big Red. And uh, Danny, tell us on some of what you got going on at greatcornholio.org. Just a lot of training camp news, a lot of training camp news, and then a lot of recruiting news, uh, recruiting with this coaching staff seems never ending, which is exciting. And I'm just looking forward towards the season. Uh, you know, I'll be posting some video clips on my uh, Twitter account of just plays that, you know, I really enjoy from the past or from the not so past, maybe a couple of years ago. I, uh, I, I realized that my Tommy Frazier one generated a lot of engagement, particularly from Miami fans. So thank you for that. Um, but you know, I'm just excited to get things going. I'm excited to have things to write about because as a writer, uh, mostly a football writer, May, June, and July are absolutely miserable times. So I'm just yeah, happy to be writing uh, a lot again. You mentioned recruiting. I, th- I thought we haven't talked as much about recruiting and that, you know, there is still some visitors, some 2024 guys, but things kind of have slowed down quite a bit in the 2023 class. So Really, I just my last question before we go, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, Cameron Leonard still has not committed. And, uh, 
you know, I saw there was a edge rusher from Penn State who decommitted. I know they're one of the teams that's in the mix. I'm wondering, you know, if they're going to try to make a stronger push there. Are you worried at all that Cameron Leonard has not committed at this point? Mm, that's a tough one to answer because, you know, I can't fault him if he's waiting just to see how the season starts because when you look at the recruiting momentum in the 2023 class, you know, the season hasn't even started and, and we already have, um, you know, two four-star prospects and Riley Van Poppel and O'Marion Miller. I mean, the class itself is very strong, but I wouldn't blame some of these guys if they haven't committed by now, if they want to wait and see what the product is this season. You know, I think it goes back to Malachi Coleman's announcement date as well. You know, this will give him a chance to see what this current Nebraska program, you know, kind of what their trajectory is. If they start winning and, you know, are by some miracle 6-0 and in the middle of October, then, you know, I think we'll start to see more commitments. I'm curious what the holdup is on Lenhart, but hopefully we'll get an answer sooner rather than later because I thought he would have been committed That's one way or the other by so now. Strange. You know, sometimes it can be – He's trying to get an edit or a video done for his announcement. It could be something as simple as that. It could be, you know, Penn State or Michigan State or somebody else has given him more to think about. Um, so who knows? But definitely, you know, when recruiting, winning matters, you know, and not just because, you know, kids want to go to the playoff. They want to play for a winner. But at Nebraska, you know, teams don't I mean, kids don't want to commit to a coach that's not going to be there the next year. It's not in his entire coaching staff's not going to be there. And that's probably what's going to happen if Scott Frost is let go. And so if they don't come out and win games, if you're Malachi Coleman, why would you commit to some to Scott Frost when you, you're not sure if he's going to be the coach when you could go to Kirby Smart or, you know, Jim Harbaugh? or, you know, Lincoln Riley, somebody that you know is going to be there. So I think that's why it's important for Nebraska to win this season, not only because, you know, to show kids they can give them that opportunity, but also, you know, if there's questions about Scott Frost, then the the recruiting class is going to fall apart. Um, But hopefully Leonard commits before the season. If not, you know, I think it's – then I would say Nebraska's, you know, maybe just a slight favorite, but that seems like a recruitment they'd have to to win again. So that's kind of my thought on it. This recruiting class kind of also tells me that whatever happens with Frost, Mickey Joseph is going to stay in some capacity because you don't land a kid from Louisiana and O'Mary Miller and, you know, that quickly in the middle of – or the end of – beginning of June, I think it was, the middle of June, whatever. You don't land him if, you know, there's questions as to whether Mickey Joseph will stay. So I think Mickey may stay – in some capacity, if Frost is let go, if not, then, you know, he's he's there anyway. But it, I think that speaks to me that Mickey Joseph may be around here longer than just this year. And should Frost get fired, he may be one of the holdovers of the staff. Because he doesn't leave, you know, a program like Louisiana or, you know, a bigger program like that to come to Nebraska to be an assistant coach. I understand they have they had a new staff under Brian Kelly, but surely with his track record, he could have gotten, you know, more money at a more prestigious school. Yeah, I think school the, the associate head coach title, you know, is really a big thing that got him here, you know. And um he's got a history at Nebraska, yeah. obviously played here, so it wouldn't surprise me if he was a holdover if something happened with Scott. Maybe he would be a candidate. I don't know. Um 
I would probably want somebody with head coaching experience. I think Nebraska's a job. I don't think that Mickey Joseph would be on my list of candidates to be the head coach, to be honest, but I would like him to be on staff still. But um, at any rate, I just think this team needs to win. And if that happens, recruiting will take care of itself. So um, with that, we will wrap up episode four of the Husker Big Red podcast. Once again, I am Chris Peterson of HuskerBigRed.com. This is Danny Gillette of TheGreatCornholio.org. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.